How Joe Biden Lost My Vote. The Democrats have opted for corruption over democracy. Quote, The New Puritans, then, are best understood as a clergy for a godless age, presiding over a dreamscape of their own making, rewriting our language, history, and traditions as they go along. Yet for all of their clout, there are still some among us who steadfastly refuse to praise the elegance of the emperor's new clothes, who would rather point and laugh at the naked man in our midst. Now for the first time in human history, our way out of this madness will depend upon the heretics. End quote. Andrew Doyle, The New Puritans. Joe Biden emerged from his speech last week on the continued battle for the soul of our nation, like a squalling infant birthed from the loins of blue-check Twitter, bathed in the blood-red light of militant fascism. He was finally their guy. Gone was the empathy guy. Gone was the unity guy. Gone was the moderate guy. Be mean, Joe. Get them, Joe. Get tough, Joe. Tell them their participation in democracy is a threat to democracy. Yes, tell them, Joe. Tell the MAGA Republicans that they're not welcome in their own country. Tell them their participation is a threat to a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Tell them that democracy means they have to sit down and shut up. Tell the truck driver who travels coast to coast working the graveyard shift to bring freshly cut meat to supermarket shelves. Tell the police officer, the waitress, the bartender, the cable guy, the grocery store clerk, the grandmother, the garage mechanic, the veteran who served in Afghanistan, who has now been kicked out of the military for not taking the vaccine, the mother of two who must now homeschool her children, that they are the violent extremists posing the biggest threat to the country they call home. Tell them, Joe that you've decided to throw them away like human garbage, and that you're hoping for another January 6th so you can arrest anyone who ever voted for or supported Donald Trump. Tell them that you and you alone are America, and any threat to your power is a threat to the state, because that's not fascism at all. Why did Joe Biden give that speech? Who thought that was a good idea? Obviously, Joe Biden and his administration know that the MAGA Republicans are not a dangerous threat to the country. Otherwise, the Democrats would not have meddled in primary elections, spending upwards of $46 million, pushing those very same MAGA candidates towards a win, blocking the more moderate GOP picks. Surely the Democrats know what they're doing, right? I mean, they're asking for America's vote to stay in power. Joe Biden wouldn't lie to the people about something as serious as a threat to the republic, right? Wrong. Joe Biden did lie. The speechwriter lied. They would do anything, say anything, and put any community or even the country at risk just to stay in power and hold on to the past, the America under Barack Obama from 2008 to 2016. In 2020, we saw them sacrifice the truth as they micromanaged the media narrative to deliver the correct headlines when they gaslighted hundreds of millions of us to cover up the truth about just how violent the protests have been over the summer. They undermined Trump on everything from COVID to the economy. They did this with impunity. They did this to stay in power. That is the very definition of corruption at nearly every level of our administrative state. 
Maybe they do believe it. After all, the Biden administration gets its news from the same place mainstream media outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, and others do. They all drink from the same watering hole, Twitter. Their feedback loop is all they know. They believe it's the truth. Rather than nonstop recycling of confirmation bias and agitprop flooding the zone, it's nearly impossible to escape it. It's everywhere and in everything. What motivated me to climb out of it was the dust-up between Twitter and Tom Cotton's essay at the New York Times. They wanted the Times to be on point, not to tell any objective truth. They bullied them for days until they offered some withering correction and fired editors. That is how Barry Weiss ended up revolutionizing alternative media here on Substack. I forced myself to disconnect from the media entirely to escape the bubble. I stopped reading my Twitter feed and started an alt account that paid attention only to the right. I watched Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingraham, and Fox News. I listened to Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh. I watched all of Trump's rallies heading into the election, all five a day. It took a conscious effort on my part to reprogram my brain to be able to see both sides clearly and fairly. Once I did that, I was horrified by what I saw on the left, the hypocrisy, the inhumanity. Worse than all, I could suddenly see what was true and what wasn't true, and how much the media and politicians lie daily. They tell themselves what they want to be true, not what is true. At the same time, they were busy silencing dissent everywhere. If you challenge their narrative, you will either be attacked on Twitter fired from your job at any media outlet, or forced to apologize. You aren't given any other option. They don't want anyone to tell the truth, ever. They want to shut it down. There is a line in Citizen Kane where the character of Geddes says to Kane, You're making a bigger fool of yourself than I thought you would, Mr. Kane. I've got nothing to talk to you about. You licked, why don't you? Get out if you want to see me have the warden write me a letter anybody else I'd say what's going to happen to you would be a lesson to you. Only you're going to need more than one lesson. You're going to get more than one lesson. And so it goes with the Democrats. Right now, they need to be taught a lesson. To be voted out in such massive numbers, it causes them to rethink the mess they've made of this country. They might destroy most of the cultural institutions the boomers built in the 1960s, but we can't let them do that to our government. This is hard for me to say or even think about. It took me a few years to arrive at this point. After Joe Biden's speech, however, I don't see any other way. Substack, YouTube, podcasts, and other outlets offer objective opinions and investigative reporting. Hopefully more people will begin to gravitate away from mainstream news until they too can get a grip and maybe grow a pair. How the mighty have fallen. I used to be a true blue Democrat. I voted faithfully in every election. I can even remember voting for Dukakis. My faith remained unshaken for most of my adult life. In 2019, I was among the first Democrat activists online advocating for Joe Biden to be the nominee, while most others were aiming for big structural change. But I knew only Biden had a chance of beating a one-term president with a strong economy. 
I figured voters might vote for Biden as an easy lateral move. Biden was the safe choice, the establishment guy who wouldn't rock the boat too much. I wrote this piece in Medium, May 11, 2019, says, Joe Biden is the best bet against Trump, what stands in his way. I attended an early Biden fundraiser. I took this picture proudly. For podcast listeners, it's a photo of me wearing a Biden hoodie. I was as true a believer in the newfound church of the Obama coalition as you can get. I made this video about Barack Obama. My parents shared not only an improbable love, they shared an abiding faith in the possibilities of this nation. They would give me an African name, Barack, or Blessing, believing that in a tolerant America, your name is no barrier to your commander-in-chief. And on behalf of a grateful nation, I'm proud to finally say these two words. And I, know your I made this video about Hillary Clinton. I made this video to show how much I believed in Joe. After all, he had crossed the street to meet my daughter's fifth grade class in 2009. For podcast listeners, there's a picture of my daughter's class greeting Biden on the streets of D.C. It might be hard to believe when you hear him talk now, but as a child, Joe Biden had a terrible stutter. They called him Biden. But he picked himself up and he worked harder than the other guy and got elected to the Senate, a young man with a family and a seemingly limitless future. And then tragedy struck. Joe's wife, Nalia, and their little girl, Naomi, were killed in a car accident. And their two boys were badly hurt. When Joe was sworn in as a senator, there was no ceremony in the cabinet. Instead, he was standing by his sons in the hospital room where they were recovering. Was 30 years old. You know, tragedy tests us. It tests our fortitude and it tests our faith. And here's how Joe Biden responded He never moved to Washington. Instead, night after night, week after week, year after year, he returned home to Wilmington on a lonely Amtrak train when his Senate business was done. He raised his boys, first as a single dad. Most of my friends and family remain gobsmacked that my entire perspective could change almost overnight. My mother said, you became a completely different person. I don't think that I did. I think I just saw for the first time what my side looked like from the other side. Now I can see just how much power and influence the left has. We used to be the counterculture, the anti-establishment, but now we've become the system we used to fight against. I might have been able to stay with the Democrats. My policy ideals haven't changed. But when they began dehumanizing Trump supporters, many of whom do not have access to much of our culture, I could no longer stand alongside them. Until that changes, I will never vote blue no matter who. The 2020 election was even further proof, at least to me, 
that the Democrats had now become corrupt, that they had way too much power and wealth such that we might never have a free and fair election again. They spent $1 billion, the most expensive election in history, to elect Joe Biden. They changed voting laws to close the enthusiasm gap they battle with in every election and simply collect votes from voters who weren't motivated to go to the polls themselves. They took complete control of nearly every major institution just to stop Trump. And even still, they barely won. Trump still won Iowa, Ohio, and Florida. They haven't stopped. If anything, they've just gotten more authoritarian. With the primetime January 6th show trial, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, and now the DOJ going after Trump and Steve Bannon, we are truly living through a dystopian nightmare in a near totalitarian state. Why Bannon? Because he's the central hub for MAGA. They're smart enough to know they can't win without using the justice system to take out their enemies. Their candidates are flaccid and weak. Their policies are toxic. MAGA is their only formidable opposition. This is corruption at a level we've never seen in this country, certainly not in my lifetime, including Nixon. At least back then, we had an objective press to hold the powerful to account. As the Wall Street Journal's Lance Morrow writes, quote, If there are fascists in America these days, they are apt to be found among the tribes of the left. They are Mr. Biden and his people, including the lion's share of the media, whose opinions have, since January 6th, hardened into absolute faith that any party or political belief system except their own is illegitimate, impermissible, inhuman, monstrous, and, a nice touch, a threat to democracy. The evolution of their overprivileged emotions, their sentimentality gone fanatic, has led them in 2022 to embrace Mussolini's formula. All within a state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state, or against the party. People forget, if they ever knew it, that both Hitler and Mussolini began as socialists. The state and the Democratic Party must speak and act as one, suppressing all dissent. America must conform to the orthodoxy, to the Chinese finger traps of diversity or else and open borders, and rejoice in mandatory drag shows and all such theater of gender. Meanwhile, their man in the White House invokes emergency powers to forgive student debt, and their thinkers wonder whether the Constitution and the separation of powers are all they're cracked up to be. Mr. Trump and his followers, believe it or not, are essentially anti-fascists. They want the state to stand aside to impose the least possible interference and allow market forces and entrepreneurial energies to work. Freedom isn't fascism. Mr. Biden and his vast tribe are essentially enemies of freedom, although most of them haven't thought the matter through. Freedom, the essential American value, isn't on their minds. They desire maximum, that is, total state or party control of all aspects of American life, including what people say and think. 74 years after George Orwell wrote 1984, such control, by way of surveillance cameras, social media companies, and the Internal Revenue Service, now has to be shockingly augmented by 87,000 new employees is entirely feasible. The left yearns for power and authoritarian order. It is a Faust's bargain. Freedom is forfeit." End quote. They're not even a political party anymore. They've become a religious movement 
fighting for what they consider a religious war, a war of ideology. The problem is that they are selling something most Americans don't want. Look at this ad for Hillary and Chelsea Clinton's new show. As Ben Shapiro points out in his show today, the merging of celebrity and politics is bad for America. You can now see why. There is no way out of it because the entertainment companies comply with the dictates of the Democratic Party, which is leading to mostly unwatchable content. It's impossible to even tell the difference between their activism and art. We're hitting the road to shine a light on women who inspire us to be bolder and braver. Leadership doesn't look one way. It's a giant rainbow. You're not gonna break me down. You'll get worn out before I do. Women who push us outside our comfort zone. You got this. And make us laugh. I'm in deep Georgia, and they might have never met a Muslim. Or they don't know they have. Or they don't know they have. Because we walk among you. <laughs> They sound like missionaries, pushing their newfound faith on the unsuspecting public. They have become so disconnected from average Americans that they thought this was a good idea. In the past, there would be vicious op-eds or hilarious mocking bits on SNL, but no more. That's how you know it's a true religion. No jokes allowed. Americans are getting sick of all of it. They're ready for a change. They're trying to tell the people at the top, but they just aren't listening. Democrats might have complete control of the new economy online as America separates between the virtual and real worlds, but our country is still a place, too. Just drive across it to see what real America looks like. You know, Star Wars is pretty straightforward, and George Lucas is pretty straightforward about it. This was borrowed from the Nazis, from Lenny Riefenstahl's film Triumph of the Will, you know, mm -hmm. all the red and all the columns and the rest of it. So it seems to me that it was, dare I say, semi-fascist, because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't fully fascist. It was like the minor leagues of fascism. So it was a little semi-fascist. But, but, you know, it is so crazy to, to suggest that, and you were right when you said, um, you know, the riots two years ago, and Camille has talked about this, you know, ad infinitum on the fifth column, and we liked to bang on about it, but I was in Kenosha the day after the shooting, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shooting, the all this stuff being burned to the ground, and uh, Trump was there, and he met with the person whose lot was burned down or whose uh, furniture store was burned down, and then later in the day, Joe Biden showed up, and he went and visited Jacob Blake. And he said that Jacob Blake's, the officers involved in that shooting should be arrested. Now, the stories we found out about Jacob Blake were the opposite of what we initially were told was that he was unarmed and he was there to help. He was violating a restraining order and he had a knife in his hand. So it's like, you know, these are two parties. And then, I, you know, look, yesterday I turned this on. I was thinking about this and I turn on uh, TV or was on, on the internet or something. And I see Roland Martin in one of oh, his God. ridiculous outfits. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's, I don't know where he gets all these dashikis. They're amazing. And he said the Trump voters, like, we're at war with these people. We're at war with them. And he said, then, he, you know, the next line was, these folks are evil. Yes. I mean, mm. don't tell me that there is one dark force in America. I didn't vote for Donald Trump twice. I didn't vote for Donald Trump and I wouldn't vote for him again. And, you know, I would, I would never, I, I'm not a fan of the guy. Our podcast has been very critical of him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, let's keep in perspective here that this thing, and he said, you know, uh, in the speech the other day in Wisconsin, that we, we used to be a nation of unity and hope and optimism. Bullshit. 
<laughs> I mean, does anyone remember the Clinton years, the Obama years, the Bush years? I mean, everyone's been called a Nazi. Everyone's been called a fascist. This is the same as American politics has ever been, but with a different way of transmitting information, which is Twitter and getting it real time and getting a warped perception of what the world is about. And this warped perception is being fed by Joe Biden, who's pretending that he's not conflating the 70, 60 odd million people that voted for Donald Trump with these dark MAGA Republicans. He is doing just that. So they must have some sort of internal polling that suggests that <laughs> banging on about this stuff is going to help them, you know, repeal or, or push back this red wave because it is just endless at this point. I mean, this, this idea that there are fascists at the door, which is obviously ridiculous. We might not be able to purge this madness from our culture, but we most certainly can purge it from our government. If the Democrats refuse to stand up to the new Puritans brand of justice, intolerance, and ongoing hysteria, then they must go. There won't be a civil war because these aren't two equal sides. There is an empire and there is a resistance. If anything, there would be a revolution but don't take the bait, MAGA. They want a good reason to throw the lot of you in detainment camps. They're begging to cast you as the violent ones. Don't let them. Use your vote instead. Every utopia, sooner or later, either breaks apart or is forced to become even more authoritarian. Much of this country is itching to move on from Obama's America, not the people, the activists, or the change they made to society but because you can't stop what's coming. What you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. They ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. That's vanity. If Joe Biden were a good leader, He'd reach out to Trump supporters instead of demonizing them. Yes, especially those who breached the Capitol on January 6th. He should ask them, how have we failed you? What can we do to make it right? He should be asking that of every citizen, not getting his talking points fed to him by people who have the luxury of sitting around and tweeting all day long. If he isn't going to do that, he has failed as a leader and he will not be getting my vote. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self be true. her heart.
She's going and she's leaving. She is headed for. 